Hello and welcome back to The Catch. Today on the podcast, we have myself, Michael Adams, John Rahimi, and Mr. McCormick himself, David McCormick. Boys, how's it going? Fantastic. Good, good, good. I would just like to say, um, I, you guys do not need to refer to me as Mr. McCormick. I don't know, um, the name says Mr. McCormick. The Zoom, I, I use, this is the, the district computer, so I have the Zoom name up, and I told myself I was going to change it before I got on other Zoom calls, and I have not done that, so. My baby daddy McCormick. Ooh, I don't know if I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so David, I was, I was at your house yesterday. Uh, up here, not down in Champaign. But uh, I was talking to your mother about the podcast because I actually don't know how it came up. Um, oh, you know what happened actually was your mom asked, how are you guys doing? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm doing well. The semester's really busy, blah, blah, blah. And then Blanca was like, hey, I listened to one of your podcasts recently. And I was like, oh, no way. That's awesome. Which one? And she goes, I listened to Jesus, the civil engineer. And I was like, oh, that's the one where I did the weird voice. Yeesh. Yikes. Not the, not the best one to start with. Um, but she's like, no, I really like your podcast. I listened to it. I was like, okay, so we have like one girl who listens to our podcast. And it's Blanca. <laughs> so thanks for listening, Blanca. We appreciate it. Um, and then your uh, mom is like, oh yeah, like what, what is that? Like, what do you guys, what do you guys talk about on there? I took a second. I was like, what do we talk about on here? I was like, if you can just imagine me, David and Michael trying to have a conversation, that's basically what it is. And she kind of looked at me and she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Suddenly I don't want to try that. So I don't think I won your mom over. <laughs> Maybe not the best selling point. I also, as you said that, I'm like, I don't think I told my mom I do a podcast. She didn't look like she knew. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if I ever told her that. There are just some things I just forget to tell people. And I think that might have been it. So Mom, yeah. I'm, I've been doing a podcast. <laughs> I did try to hype you up, though. I was like, you know, I think um, more people listen because David's on it. Where it was just me and Michael. I don't think many people listen to us because they're like, oh, gosh, these guys are weird. And then you just kind of like, weird. You just like opened us up, you know, you just kind of opened us up to more uh, better, better things. Your weirdness coupled with our weirdness makes yes. a, a sort of normal batch. <laughs> That's right. I'm feeling a lot of love right now, John. Concerned why you would lie, but still feeling a lot of love. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't lie anymore. My spirit director told me not to. That's why. Dang it. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason why. <laughs> Before it was totally okay. Oh, man, I was in um, spiritual direction the other day. So for those of the, I know Michael has brought it up a couple of times. Um, for those of you, like I was, I was interviewing for the focused missionary position. So I decided like I am not going to take it for external reasons. But my first thought of that is I had my first like, spiritual direction back from break with our, with our priest here on campus. And I was talking to him about it and I was like, you know, father, it's funny because like when I kind of knew like this wasn't the route I was going to go, I was like, I thought you were going to be really mad. He's like, really mad. What do you mean? I was like, cause you've heard me talk about this every week for the past five months. <laughs> but he obviously was like very gracious. He's like, Oh no. Like, obviously he's like, I love hearing all about this, but that was my first thought. I was like, man, this man has heard me talk and talk and talk for all of last semester. <laughs> Yeah. I used to always apologize to Father Chase and spiritual direction because I would always be like, Father Chase, like I know I'm back and uh I know it's gonna sound very normal and you're probably used to my just 
jumbled brain with a million different inclinations and ideas coming to you every single day changing. And he was just like, yep. And I was like, wait a second, you weren't supposed to confirm that. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I could see him saying that. Yeah. He's a very honest man. You know, it's uh, with Lent. I was just thinking about this because before I, so I decided to give up listening to podcasts very frequently. I listened to one a week, um, which means I don't get to listen to ours anymore because I do enjoy listening to our podcast after we, you know, do it so that I can uh, hear how it went. Because it is, I think we talked about this one time over the summer that like when you listen to it again afterwards, you kind of pick up more because you're not really attuned to like the, the whole conversation flow because you're trying to think of things to say and to respond. So you're kind of just in the moment. Um, so just kind of a sad thing to not listen to it. But the other reason I like listening to it or one of the bad reasons is that when I hear myself talk in the podcast, I've realized, I listened to the first one we ever did, Michael, Friendship and the Gospel, to like now, I have exponentially sped up how fast I talk and the amount of times that I say the word like. Since the beginning? Since the beginning. Like really? The the first podcast we did, it was so like, oh man, just quiet, like calm, collected, like, and that, there it is. And now I'm just like, like a freaking rabbit on I don't know, acid or something. I blame it's myself. A weird analogy, but like that's what I, that's what was coming <laughs> to mind. Quite the analogy right there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I need to work on that, I guess is my point. Mm. This is like a public speaking course, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to be a better public speaker? Start podcasting. You know, you start, start you become very attuned to what you're saying. You do. I, like I used the word uh, a ton in the early podcast and I still use it quite frequently as a filler word to kind of what I'm thinking, but I think I use it less now, maybe. Either way, I'm at least aware of it. So when I do do it, I'm like, oh, I hate that I'm using that word. Yeah, I normally do not listen back to our podcast. I do it occasionally. Um, but I listened back the other day for one we probably did a couple of weeks ago. And I probably only listened to the first like 10 minutes. But I was like, wow, I say uh and like a ton. And I just immediately thought about like sometimes you know we can kind of go on like just tangents and I in that particular podcast I was going on one and I thought of the scene for those of you who've seen uh Billy Madison where he's doing like the uh where he, he was like nowhere in that rambling incoherent response did you even really have something that resembled a competent thought that's <laughs> just exactly where my mind went I was like I, I think I might just start using that now <laughs> Oh, that's a good analogy. Oh, that's a really funny scene. <laughs> and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> I award you no points. That is so good. Yeah, I think I was just like, actually, see, now I'm going to get self-conscious about it because I say it a lot. But it's because we, I don't know, there's just so many thoughts in my head all the time that you want to get them all out. And then you try to speak as quickly as possible so that you're not taking up all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you just sound like a crazy person. So, yeah. Our podcasts have slowly gotten longer because I think we all have way more thoughts than we did previously. And we're all oh, totally. trying to like we got more comfortable now. Dude, we had 13 minutes of banter. I was so happy. I actually applauded while I was listening to the podcast. I looked down to see what time it was when we actually started talking about a topic. 13 minutes in. Oh, man. That is your dream. That is. I was so dream. happy. I was like, you know, all these banter haters out there. I'm like, oh, this is so stupid. They just talk about whatever. Yeah, you, Michael. I thought of you, actually. I was like, Michael's probably pissed right now looking at this timestamp, but I don't care. I was so uh, pumped. It's not that I don't love banter. I just 
when I listen to podcasts, typically I get really frustrated with banter. And I just want, I usually listen to it because I'm usually really interested in the topic. Like I don't really necessarily listen to podcasts consistently week after week to the same ones with the Mm -hmm. same people. I'll typically more look for a topic and then listen. Oh, interesting. And so I get really frustrated by the banter because I'm typically not listening to it for the people. I'm really just listening to it for the topic. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, just come on, get to the topic. So I usually try to skip the banter, but I also can appreciate it. And for our consistent listeners, I hope they enjoy our all four of them unique personalities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all four of our consistent <laughs> listeners. I think it's just a good way for, I think that's, I've never, I, yeah, I didn't, I've never looked at podcasts like that, but that makes a lot of sense. If you're, like, if you're trying to like learn about a topic more, you want to mm-hmm. go to different areas and just kind of find whatever, you know, whoever talks about that topic. So I just listened to like one. I just mm-hmm. listen because it's, it's them. So mm-hmm. I'd hope that people would listen to us because it's us and they want to hear and know about our lives and who we are and why we deal and think about these things the way that we do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, hopefully people find it interesting to hear what's going on in our lives. And then hopefully they can see how that connects to the way that we process these, these topics that we yeah. talk about. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, we're here today, so we'll see if we give them some explanations. Well, what is going on in our lives? Uh, I don't know, David, you tell us what's going on in our lives. Um, let's see. John, watched lord of the rings yesterday i did watch lord of the rings yesterday um, not for the first time like the 20th time. no yeah yeah you know he's he's seen him before but yeah john is in seminary and um writing a lot of papers reading a lot of books right. um not listening to a lot of podcasts anymore because it's lent that's right boom um michael has is doing a lot of work now he's uh you know maybe some tougher conversations is, is if i heard that correctly i swear i was listening um, I just don't know how much I, I just, I've just always wondered, like, how much do you share on a podcast? Um, in terms we're going, of like, we're going full personal today. This is I was like, personal well, I mean, like, I don't want someone Isn't that what you your, said, John? I, I did say that. <laughs> I don't want someone from like your company listening. It's like, oh man, that, that Michael <laughs> was talking smack. I think one um, person in my entire company knows that I have this podcast. <laughs> is it, it's going to leak. No. Um, yeah. So I know Michael saying he's trying to take up new projects, but um yeah so super exciting things for him that at work and i think it's just you know it's february like we're all just kind of kind of progressing um the worst yeah month. and the worst month by far the longest cool month. and not to draw attention on myself but this podcast is being released on my birthday yeah i just I realized it's still still the worst still the worst month we so talked about really this last time it's still the worst month. <laughs> it's really good it's a good month no it's not actually michael it's because of your birthday you know, this <laughs> month this month gave you george washington you take that back I was giving my mother, so I wouldn't be here right now without this month, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever. No, that's fair. The oh, fun. What did um, you guys do for Valentine's Day? That we didn't, uh, we, John, do we have to bring that up? Yeah, <laughs> we do. Well, because only one um, person here celebrated it properly. So I literally sat at home. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Me you're in Dallas, so uh, did some FaceTime. That's about it. <laughs> did some FaceTime. Did some FaceTime. That's about it. Okay. I'm actually going to be doing Valentine's Day probably this weekend more formally. Um, yeah. Hey, so. you get to sit back though because it's your birthday and she has to celebrate you now. So exactly. just, you take it easy. That's how that works. Assert your dominance. <laughs> oh, I was. I will. I didn't have. Um, my district had Monday off of schools because of President's Day. Oh yeah. So like, I did some homework and then I was gonna see. Like, I was gonna see friends. And then it just turned into, like, I think Sun and I, I think I just watched a movie. And then one of my roommates came back and we watched the end of Daytona 500. And I'm not a NASCAR guy, but he just really wanted to watch it. And there was a crash on the last lap. 
Everyone's okay. Everyone's okay. There was a lot of fire, but like everyone was totally fine. But yeah, so that was roughly how my Valentine's Day went, which was kind you, of you had family come down over the weekend, so you had a little something going on. Yeah, I was watching. Like, was it that weekend? Oh yeah, no, it was. Um, yeah, no, we did. We had um, yeah, my my sister and two of my cousins came down, so it was nice to see them. And then we had our university was doing virtual seek, so that like kind of bled over into part of Sunday as well. So nice. Yeah, so it was good. I celebrated my brother's birthday. His birthday is on Valentine's Day. So my brother Nick turned 27 years old, which is awesome. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then uh, I got to see my nephew for the first time in a while, which is really cool. He's talking a lot. Uh, he does this thing now where he yells, save me. And then he jumps into my brother's arms and then cries. That's cute. Yeah, he's very cute. We love him. But yeah, so it, was a nice, it was a nice Valentine's Day. You know, just kind of didn't think about it. <laughs> didn't acknowledge that it was valentine's day celibate life yeah i did i did enjoy a lot of the memes i saw on valentine's day i be like i want to give someone chocolates and like 100 percent great um if that's how you celebrate but some of them being like saint valentine like i was literally beheaded was. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah yeah so it was uh it was nice good good weekend yeah. last year was my favorite valentine's day of all time i think we went to the Shedd Aquarium, which I've never been to ever. And I just watched beluga whales for like a couple hours. It was awesome. They're just very happy creatures. Incredibly happy creatures. They are. You're 100% right. They just look happy. And I'm just like, this is really beautiful. And then I got to watch a bunch of awkward teenagers try to hold hands and like, you know, be together as couples on Valentine's Day at the Shed. So make fun of them. Fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have weird feelings towards the Shedd Aquarium. Awkward oh. experiences, but. Uh, just All right. Were you attacked by a beluga whale? The shed, the shed aquarium gives me the heebie-jeebies. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. So yeah, this is. If you're wondering where the line is for personal things you share, if <laughs> the Mike shed aquarium, to the shed aquarium <laughs> is the line. <laughs> Good. Fine. So, we won't talk. We'll just move on from that. Yeah. We'll just let you. Yeah. We'll let you have All that right. one. Another, <laughs> another another podcast. Keep listening if you want to hear. It's like, yeah. It's like <laughs> we'll get through it eventually. <laughs> oh my gosh. Sorry. Go ahead, David. So boys. No, I was just going to say, so boys, as um, you know, I think it was last week was Lunar New Year, correct? And yep. this is the, this is the last week the, or two weeks ago, two weeks ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was Lunar New Year. And this was the, I believe the year of the ox. Yes. Okay. It's, this um, is a big deal I, at my work because um, all of our uh, employees in China have the entire two weeks of the Lunar New Year off. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're so, all coming back, which is exciting. Sorry, continue. No, just exciting. I was say, happy Lunar New Year to all, to all who celebrate. Um, but I was thinking one, well, not just Master Ox from Kung Fu Panda, but I was thinking uh -huh. of the year of the ox. Um, and I was thinking that also, we know in our church that this is also the year of St. Joseph. Whoa. I know. It is the year of St. Joseph. Yeah. So that's kind of, I, honestly, that's kind of what, um, what I wanted to talk about today is let's talk about the year of St. Joseph, like, what does that mean? And actually, like, let's just talk about St. Joseph, that um, I'm a little, I'm a little biased, like, he is my confirmation saint. Um, mm -hmm. So I do love, I do love St. Joseph, but I do think that it's kind of interesting that, like, a lot of times, um, just with, like, with some of my friends in the year of St. Joseph, you're talking, like, what does that actually mean? It was interesting, a lot of, a lot of people, and even, like, myself included a couple years ago, was just like, yeah, we actually don't know that much about him, and, like, why is he important? Um, so True. boys, what are your thoughts? 
I would agree. And I think that the year of St. Joseph was kind of not to say glossed over, but it really wasn't hyped up that much. Like it was kind of a surprise. And then after it happened, I was like, Oh yeah. yeah like, look what, look what it is. And then like all the hype died down. Um, it was kind of like the week of St. Joseph where everyone was talking about it and then no one talked about it ever again, mm. which was a little bit frustrating, I think, but no, I, I agree. It's important to talk about. And I recently read the St. Joseph consecration book. And so I've been kind of on a, on a larger kick in mm. devotion to him of recent since then. But again, it's, it is interesting what you said. We don't really know all that much about him, generally speaking, and I think that's kind of a gap in the knowledge where I think we're told to have a devotion to Mary and not to say Joseph gets forgotten about. Um, but it is kind of one of those saints that we're like, oh, yeah, he's important, but we don't necessarily take the time to really get to know him intimately. Yeah, I think we had that's interesting you said that because I guess it just depends where you're at, but we are making it a big deal at the seminary. So someone actually donated uh, all the seminarians a copy of that that consecration book which is kind of oh. cool so everyone got it like they have the opportunity to do the consecration if they want to um and then every uh wednesday is a, like a votive mass um for, like, with saint joseph as for intercession um there's talks every friday of the of the year of the semester from you know bishops priests speakers about saint joseph different aspects of him so um yeah they're like they're doing a pretty legit job of like making it the forefront of this like next semester and it'll, it'll go into next year as well um so i thought that was pretty cool but yeah I, I have more thoughts about like what you just said there about um that he takes a back seat sort of to mary um i think there's a reason for that but yeah yeah i think um yeah i've definitely struggled with the the whole consecration to saint joseph fad that just recently popped up um i was having a conversation with one of the guys at breakfast because we were both just like Mary has like a unique position, uh, right? Like she's sinless and like there's a certain dedication. Um, one of the things that the guy said was like, you know, I don't see why shouldn't I just consecrate myself like any other saint? Cause Joseph is like, he's a saint, he's not sinless, but he's, he holds a high position, like maybe like Peter or something who like is, you know, the first Pope and has a, a certain, I don't know if it's the right word, but like specificity to like the church, you know? something mm -hmm. like that. But basically any saint you have like a devotion to like, why don't you just consecrate to them too? Um, I think one of the things I was thinking about, well, I guess, you know, St. Joseph has a particular role in the life of Christ as like protector and watch over. So as Christ entrusted himself as a human man to St. Joseph, then I think we can maybe follow in suit, right. That we can, you know, entrust ourselves to him in a similar way. Yeah. I'd never thought about it honestly like that before yeah that um yeah god came down like he he became man and, and christ yeah as um even as you would say like in a vulnerable state like as a child yeah entrusted himself to the care of saint joseph and he like saint joseph was part of that family and i, I think i think it's really interesting um that if you think about the family like if there's any in the holy family if there's any sinning that were to happen it's going to come from one person. Like, you know, like, and this is not meant like as blasphemy or anything. It's St. Joseph, but more as like a reality that like, yeah, yeah, like Mary and Jesus, like we're sinless. So I just think, and maybe this is me of like, so of always feeling, not always, feeling, I don't want to roast myself. But, like sometimes I just feel like inadequate. Like, man, if I was St. Joseph to be like, yeah, I like my, yeah. my wife and like a child are sinless. And 
to kind of have that, to have that balance of like wanting to be the father, wanting to be the protector. Um, and there is a sense of pride that comes with that. But at the same time, having that like juxtaposed with knowing that like you are same time sinful. So here's a question. Yeah. Do you think he, I don't think he knew that they were sinless. That's a very interesting concept. Maybe his, maybe Jesus, but like, I mean, just think about this. He's a human man. And because we see him react the way he does to the news of Mary mm-hmm. and thinking like, okay, there's something you know off here. This isn't right. I don't know. Like I got a kind of divorce route, which is like the, the typical law. And it's like, okay. So I don't know. We have to remember that like these doctrines that we hold, like these have developed and like come to be more fully understood over the course of thousands of years mm-hmm. in the church's history. So like in that moment in time, like when this is actually going down, like what, I don't know, it's just an interesting thing. Like, what did he actually think about this? How did he relate to this? I don't think he thought they were like, you know, just regular people. I think he knew they were special. Um, but like to say like specifically, like she was born without sin. Like he, I don't think he knew that at the mm-hmm. time, but I think he recognizes certain like purity and otherness about his spouse and about clearly Jesus, his son, knowing like this is a miraculous thing uh from what he saw from the angel and told from mary obviously but i think that just speaks to his virtue then like i think the fact that he wouldn't know that would make him all the more admirable as a man that he would then uh have to live into that virtuously and like actively choose to to do this without that knowledge right that's a little bit harder to live into the mystery when you don't have the full understanding of it i think yeah yeah like it's not as cut in no that's a really good point it's not as like black and white as cut and dry i think is as we see looking back yeah. on it. And honestly, I hadn't like, it's interesting that you bring it up. Yeah. Cause I hadn't thought about it like too much in that sense, but yeah, that he, um, yeah, he might not have like specifically known it in the way that we know it now. Yeah. Like with the yeah. church doctrine, but yeah, he was, he continued yeah, to, to watch other family and to take upon that role. And yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's interesting. So Michael, um, do you remember, and I feel like you probably should have, you probably should have known that I was going to bring this up. Do you remember, was it two years ago with some of our guys, we went, when we were on green street and we were talking to people like part yeah. of our men's group. And do you remember that those guys that you were talking about St. Joseph, that is a conversation, even though I wasn't there, I was across the street has always stuck with me. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Like what happened? Yeah, I, I can I can try to. Um, I might actually have you kind of fill some of the gaps with the St. Okay. Joseph part. I know I remember a lot of the stuff that went on about Mary. Um, but really what happened, so David and I, we each led two different men's groups while we were in college. And we kind of had a moment where we came together, like, hey, like, let's try to do like a joint event. Like, we'll bring all of our boys together and kind of do some fun together because most of them were friends or were in both men's group at the same time anyways. So it was a good carryover and David and I were also good buds. So thought, why not? And so the idea that we had was to kind of go down to the main street on campus and kind of engage with some of the homeless population. Um, So we would kind of break up in groups and kind of just talk to them, kind of get to know them, really just hear what their name is, hear their story, how they got there, offer to buy them some McDonald's from across the street or something. Uh, And there were a couple of the conversations that really took a spin to the spiritual like depth that we didn't expect. Uh, I mean, o- oftentimes you get the question of like, oh, like, you know, where are you guys from or who, who are you guys with? And we'd always kind of respond like, oh, like, 
you know, we're from the the local Newman Center, the, the kind of like the Catholic Center here on campus. Like this is like our Bible study, our, our men's group. We're just kind of out here wanting to get to know you and like kind of just share in life with you, which one was very beautiful to be able to see like young men doing that. And it was very inspiring from like me being like in, in like the leadership position of that group, like watching like the boys that are very near and dear to my heart go out and do that. But one of the homeless men, there's a two of them that we spent probably upwards of an hour to two hours with. And uh, they kind of talked about Mary and they wanted us to get him a rosary. And then they kind of talked about their struggles with the idea of like, how could Mary be sinless? And how could, how could uh, Joseph ever go into that relationship? How could he ever, you know, love Mary? And how could he ever be married to her unless him himself was also sinless? Um, and so it got into this kind of like interesting paradox where not just one of them could be sinless. Either they both had to be sinless or they both had to be sinful. And they couldn't accept the fact that Mary was sinless and Joseph was sinful. They, they, that was something that just kept coming back. And unfortunately, the conversation kind of took a negative turn, I think, towards the end. And uh, they didn't really, they weren't really open to conversing as much about it. They did allow us to pray with them and kind of gave us all mm, hugs after, yeah. which was really cool. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think there were some other things going on in the situation that would cause this, but um, we'll leave that for outside for discretion, discretion's sake. Um, but uh, does that encapsulate the conversation, David? Yeah, there was, there was one other park. So I remember, cause yeah, I was, I was in a different group, but yeah. I remember you boys coming after and we were kind of debriefing and talking. Um, I don't know if I was talking to you. I think I was talking to a couple of the other guys, but yeah, they were just telling me about the conversation but they were saying one of the guys, like he kept on kind of honing in that one of the reasons, yeah, he does not, one of the biggest problems he has like with Catholicism or like Catholic teaching is that he thinks that like, and to say this really informally, informally, he thinks that Joseph was Jew. Basically he was saying that like mm -hmm. Joseph had done so much and so many things that were so important and like taking care of the Holy family. And there at a certain point in the gospel, there's no mention of him. There's no mention of him dying um like there's not really like he just kind of disappears and i remember the guy one of the one of our boys telling me like that yeah like he he was like like pretty upset about it basically being like yeah like joseph was done like really dirty and he did not like he deserved so much more and i think like a lot of christian tradition or catholic tradition um really does not recognize him of, of like the things that he did and like i don't know if i didn't necessarily like want to be a part of that and which is really interesting because I had never really thought about it in that sense and that mindset of like, yeah, Joseph deserved more. Because um, obviously I'm sure he, he would not think of it in that sense. But if you look at it the other way, I was like, I'm like, yeah, it's true. Like there is no talk about him dying in the gospels. Like there's not a ton about him in scripture. Um, anyway, I just kind of like, yeah, want to open up. That was just a really interesting point of view I got. And I think it kind of opens up a lot about who Joseph was and why those concerns I'll say why are definitely valid to hold them like those concerns probably do not bear a ton of weight I think it's I mean I'm just struck by his that that devotion to Joseph mm -hmm. because I don't know like I wouldn't peg myself as being the one to like to go as far as to say I don't want to be a part of something that doesn't like honor that man that's like that's pretty strong devotion I mean I'm, that's really beautiful to see um I don't agree with his outcome, but like, I think that's really cool that he's so um, attracted to St. Joseph and wants to see him honored and, you know, brought up more. But 
and he has a point, right? That we didn't have St. Joseph in the Eucharistic prayer at mass for a long time. Like that is a recent development in the church, very recent in terms of her history. So like, you know, at mass, when we, we hear, you know, blessed Virgin Mary and her spouse, Joseph, Joseph, her spouse, you that part of the prayer that was not in the prayer for like the longest time. So we're, I think we're slowly coming back to an appreciation of him. Um, I think it's always been there, like in, in practice and in popular piety, but it's never, it wasn't really as, uh, as formal as it is now. We see the, you know, this book just being published, right? The consecration of St. Joseph, more people being um, drawn to, to pray for his intercession, both lady and religious alike. Um, but the other thing too, um, he got gypped. That's yeah, my that, phrasing, but that no, no, but I think it, yeah. that's oh. right. That's I think an attitude a lot of people have. I mean, like, why isn't he in more? Right, like he he did do it. But it's a pretty important role. Like that's no small thing for him to be the spouse of the Blessed Virgin and the foster father of you know the second person of the Trinity. My goodness, that's a huge deal. Um, it's a huge responsibility. Um, but if we think about what does it mean to to be fruitful. Uh, like as a father, I mean, we kind of talked about this, Michael, back in, you know, over the summer about spiritual fatherhood, but as a, as a father, he's called to, right. To be fruitful in some sense, like we're all called to be fruitful. Um, and so this book I've been reading strangers to the city um, on this chapter on generativity, fruitfulness. Um, if we think of like a father is like nurturing his child, which is what a father ought to do. Uh, that nurturing has to have a self-sacrificial dimension that involves a sort of renunciation and then redundancy where that person, the father, namely like in giving up control sort of becomes in a sense irrelevant um, or not needed uh, anymore in that kind of way. So I don't want to say Joseph isn't needed and that he's irrelevant, but in the sense that he can take a step back and kind of slip into the background unnoticed while his son comes forward and then it bears fruit in the way that is proper to him, namely as God and as savior of the world. So Joseph has no control over that. And so that's what a father and that's what we all should be striving to do in all of our relationships is to allow people and to help them be fruitful with the gifts that they've been given. Obviously Joseph is given a son who has like all the gifts, but uh, he allows him then to flourish by taking a step into the background. So like, if anything, it's a really beautiful thing for us to see as an example of real manly virtue and just virtue in general for anyone to imitate as someone who can take a step back and allow themselves in a non-individualistic prideful manner to step into the background i think it's interesting too because when you think of a family dynamic like i'm sports metaphor for david here like you know the, <laughs> the face of a franchise like there's that one player who's like the face of the franchise um, or maybe there's two players scalabrini <laughs> always big time <laughs> big scal um but with St. Joseph, you know, I kind of think in the family life, typically we look at like the father as like the face of the family. Like he's mm -hmm. like, he's that star player. Essentially, he's the one making sure everyone is going forward. He's the protector, the nourisher, all of these things. But he's really inspiring too with St. Joseph. And I imagine in his own mind, and we already kind of talked about, like maybe he wasn't aware of the full like purity of Mary um, or, you know, his like relationship to understanding these things might be more limited than maybe we kind of assume they are at times. But I do think that he had to have some sort of like foresight to understand what was going on in front of him with his son, Jesus, and with his spouse, Mary. 
And I imagine it comes from a source of humility and just understanding of like his position in comparison to them. Um, not that he thought he was less than or that he was unworthy of anything, but mm. just in his perspective, seeing that and seeing that, okay, I have, like you said, the second person of the Trinity as my son to take care of, care for and nourish. And I have the Blessed Virgin uh, here as my spouse. I think he recognizes it and takes a step back and says, this family, I shouldn't be the face of this family. I'm not the face of this family. I will nourish and protect and care for this family. But it's so that Jesus can step forward and shine. So Mary can step forward and shine. So I think it is kind of, he takes the attention off of himself out of love to put more and shine more attention on his son and on his spouse. Thinking about this, well, just one, I think it's just very exciting um, just thinking about like fatherhood, both like spiritual fatherhood um, and just like the, yeah, the, the biological fatherhood um, in general, but like, so the, the position that Joseph was in, yeah, Michael, I completely agree. I think that he, he, he did take that step back and it wasn't for, I think one of the things I respect most about him was that like when we see early on in the gospel that, um, yeah, that Mary like tells, like, tells him, I'm pregnant. And he, they said he was a good man. So he divorced her quietly. Um, and he, Joseph in that, I think, did anyone from the outside looking in anyone's society, it's like, okay, he, he did like the respectable thing. He's, he's a good person. Like he, he's a good guy. And that's, I've kind of always thought about that whenever that part of scripture was like, yeah, Joseph was a good guy. Like he, he did like what they said, like he was a good man. He divorced her quietly. Um, but then what I've always respected is that and anyone, I think he did enough where if you are trying to live for the opinions of other people, that, that, that might suffice. But then when he is given that, that greater call to, you know, to, to take Marion, to be her husband. Yeah. To, um, to be, um, yeah, the, the, like the father of Christ, obviously not biologically, but like to act as a father in that family. And like, that is such a big call. Like we can't even fathom. I think about how many guys, ourselves included, who freak out about the call to just regular fatherhood <laughs> and all the sacrifices and things you're going to make in order to love your family perfectly. Um, and I think that was just really beautiful that like he, he accepted that he had, he had that faith and that he, yeah, w- was striving and it wasn't always going to be glorious. People might not even understood it. Um, but he was not trying to live for the approval of other people that like he, he knew his role as family. Yeah. And that like, for me, that has always spoken to me. That's been one of the, one of the biggest reasons like why he's even my confirmation saying is like, I would just really hope to have that faith to have something like that was called upon me to like, to give the yes that he did. Everything you just said there, kept reminding me of the the lines that we see in the litany of humility, because while you're pointing at his humility, the fear of, from the fear of being suspected, you know, uh, that would like a, that's a real fear. I think for, for most people, um, and especially nowadays, but such a, a hyper like invasive culture that we live in where everything you do is, you know, looked upon with a microscope so like the fear of being suspected of anything, like I know I struggle with that a ton as I look forward to the future where it's like anything I do could be misconstrued as something inappropriate or, you know, out of line or whatever, um, or not helpful. 
So like you could be suspected of just about anything, but like, I think Joseph didn't have that, uh, that fear of being suspected from the outside of like from people. And then even within his own family, because right, that's like, you'd think about that. He's in a family where his spouse is the blessed virgin and you know, he can't be intimate with her in the way that one would expect a husband to be intimate with his wife, you know, as a normal man, as Joseph was the expectation is mine. Like I have a wife now. Right. So that's something that like comes with marriage. Sorry, buddy, not this one, but like he has to be beyond the fear of suspicion from his spouse and to think that like, Oh, maybe she thinks that like uh, I might be trying something when I try to show her affection or love or whatever. And it's like, no, like he's not worrying about that because that can really isolate you and lead to fear and like despair, uh, you know, whatever, all sorts of other problems. Um, or his, with, with Jesus, his son, like thinking like, are you trying to, is he, does he think I'm trying to replace, you know, the heavenly father, try to do that or whatever. It's like, nope, he doesn't have that fear of suspicion. I think that's such a key thing for us to look at it being like, how do I look at St. Joseph and begin to imitate that sort of freedom? because that's ultimately what I think is like, that's at the heart. There's a real deep, rich interior freedom that comes with being humble. I think the most inspiring story that I always go back to is St. Joseph and his humility is always the presentation of Jesus. Um, because I think it's, you know, you kind of do a, an offering of either two turtle, two turtle doves or you do two pigeons. Um, and I always just remember the wording of like how Joseph couldn't afford the turtle doves. So he had to show up with two pigeons and like for, I don't know what, for whatever reason, it always gets me. Um, Cause here you are mm-hmm. the foster father of the son of God, <laughs> like this child who deserves all the bells and whistles deserves the finest of everything to be presented to the Lord. You would imagine he deserves a lot more than just two turtle doves, but in St. Joseph's humility, he presents the two doves because he, he or the two um, pigeons because he knows the importance of the act. He's not just going to hide because he's like, oh, I can't mm. afford the, the things that are needed. So I'm not going to actually go to do this, be present there because I don't want that to look people to look at my manliness of my inadequacy of not being able to being able to provide for the son of God. But he still enters into it and says, this is what I have to offer. And that's that. I know this is important, but this is all I have. And for whatever reason, I've always thought that humility is so beautiful because I think in my mind, I'd be so concerned about what everyone else was thinking. Here, this man is claiming to have, you know, the, the son of God. And here he's offering up two pigeons. Like, are you kidding me? Like, honestly, that, that would be my thought. And that I'd be running through that my entire time if I'm Joseph, what, what everyone else is thinking, what my spouse would be thinking. Um, you know, it just just feeling that inadequacy and feeling displeasing to God, even of like, here I am presenting you your son, but I can't even present him to you properly. And just being able to see his humility of just to go through that. And kind of like you said, like he was absent of that fear. Um, And just his pure humility just allowed him to enter into life so much more fully. And that he doesn't, oh man, that's so good. But I like what you said before, because it ties into this, this comment you just made that, he didn't see himself as like, I don't know. I, I mean, he, in a sense is unworthy. Like none of us are worthy of the call of God, but like he didn't hold himself as like, I can't do that because you know, there's these, all these reasons. He's just like, he just accepts it. 
because we see that in the gospel, right? That the word that's used is he immediately got up. He It's each dream that he has, the first one, and then the one in telling him to go to Egypt is he immediately. So there's no like sense of, oh, hang on a second. Let me give you my case for why like this shouldn't, this shouldn't be happening with me as the person who's, you know, being chosen. It's just, okay, you've asked me to do this. Don't know why, but I, I will do it to the best of my ability. And to the best of his ability means offering, you know, the lesser sacrifice, not the big one. And that's just like, oh, and this even tied, we just had the readings the other day from Genesis with Cain and Abel, like the first fruits. Abel offers the first fruits. He offers like the best that he has. Joseph offers the best that he can give all like in all aspects of his life, not just this story of the presentation, but he's always offering like as much as he can give and as much as he's able. Um, I think that's just incredibly moving mm-hmm. to see someone do that despite, or maybe in spite, I don't know, but like th- with, with full knowledge of the weakness that he possesses, because you imagine he probably, being in the presence and space of two incredibly holy people. I think we're all aware that we've been in the presence of some holy people and like we sense our own inadequacy before them. And that leads to comparison and judgment on ourselves and them. But he just stands there and goes, wow, I am not like them. There's something about them that's different, but I'm with them. And I'm going to remain with them because that's where I've been called to. That's what's so beautiful too. Cause in my life and in many of our lives, that thought is paralyzing. Yeah. It's not just we have the thought and we keep moving forward. It's typically we have that thought and we freeze and we don't do anything now because Mm, we're so afraid of failing and so afraid of not living up to our expectations. And really, I think the fear really comes into actually being inadequate because usually we have these thoughts of inadequacy. But when we actually go through the action, we're going to find out whether or not we were adequate. And for me, that's always been the paralyzing action of, okay, if I do this, I'm going to find out whether or not all of these insecurities and fears are going to come true. I was just thinking for those, like kind of as both of you were talking that if that was like presented to us, right, we would we probably, and as we have in many different things for our lives when we're called to, I'm guessing is that we think like, I cannot do this because of X, Y, and Z. Like I am not worthy to do this because of X, Y, and Z. Um, and with him is that, yeah, I like, we're sure like, yeah, I'm, he, he probably felt inadequate as like anyone would, but his faith was not in himself though. Mm-hmm. He was not like, I'm going to dig deep and mm-hmm. I know like I can do this. And he, like his faith was in God. And I think that's just like a really important distinction to make it or something that's really important to highlight is that like when, when we're asked to these things, it's like we are being asked to them and yes, we are going to feel inadequate. And like I said, I'm sure between the three of us, like we, we feel inadequate of a lot of things we are asked for. But is, is your faith then in yourself and your ability to do that? Or is your faith in the Lord and like your trust in the Lord? And I think that's really awesome to hear is that yeah, he immediately got up and he did it. That he was not like, oh, I can't do it. Like, no, he trusted the Lord so much that that he knew that the Lord is greater than any of his inadequacies that like he thought that he might have. That's, yeah. That's right on. I mean, faith where it is and it's total abandonment total abandonment to the father's will in his life and the lives of, you know, Jesus and Mary and those he's been charged with. And that's such a beautiful thing that we, we don't do a whole lot. And it's really hard. Um, but Michael, it ties to what you said, like he has this, uh, this faith in God. Um, 
and it doesn't paralyze him. But I, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, he probably failed at it, right? Like I imagine he probably didn't do it right every time. Right. Like we think of yeah. saints like, Oh, they are perfect. It's like, well, they must've failed, but it's that, that opposite of paralysis where he goes and just lives into it. And that's where like the freedom and the faith come together. It says I'm living in abandonment to the Lord's will. And as Augustine says, like, you know, love and then do as you will. What he means is love God first and foremost with all, with all your heart, heart, mind, and soul, be abandoned to him in love. And then like do as you will and trust that the Lord is then moving you and responding in love to that, which you've given him. So I imagine that Joseph with that faith and abandonment, loved the Lord and then did as he will and tried his best. And then, you know, had those shortcomings and then, but continued on was like, I trust that the Lord is, is working in even those instances where I fail. It wasn't like I failed. The Lord didn't work there. I'll try again next time. And then I'll do it better. And then he'll work it. Then he will have worked in that instance. It's like, no, he worked in all of the instances. And I think that's just, that's so important because right. You're right. Paralysis is just, is the death of the spiritual life from fear, especially. And that we're called to, we're called to action. And I know something I had been thinking about, like in prayer last semester, it was just like, you know, as big discernment, a lot of big decisions. Um, I was praying and I was like, Lord, please guide my steps. And I had a thought, I was just like, what steps? I was like, oh yeah, no, I, I've been sitting here thinking about this of what to do for a while now. <laughs> And I haven't actually taken any action. Mm -hmm. So John, I'm really, yeah, I, I really like that you brought that up. That yeah, he was even in the instances of where he failed, that it was action. Yeah, that he, he was trusting the Lord that he's going to be present with him, and yeah, and he he is taking those steps. But he wasn't sitting around like, just over focusing or overthinking on every single thought. That like he had that faith. Yeah. And David, right there, what you said with the steps, uh, something interesting came to me. I think in your previous point too, was he's not just worried about his own steps and his own fulfilling of God's will, but he's also living his life in a way desiring to help his spouse and his child fulfill the desires that God has for them in their own lives, respectively. Or I think a lot of us, we get again, paralyzed by the thoughts of where are, what is God's disposition towards us? And we go very internal of like, what steps do I need to take for myself? Whereas St. Joseph, obviously there had to be personal discernment and personal decisions made, but I think there's always an inner disposition taking him back to how can I be of use to my spouse, to my son, to help fulfill God's desires for them. Like I think of Jesus, like just the idea of protecting Jesus, teaching Jesus, providing for Jesus or for Mary just providing, um, like being that loving spouse, being that loving husband, all of these things that we think of in our own lives that paralyze us, it's typically paralyzing us because we're only really focused on the effect of it on ourselves. Whereas St. Joseph, I think, brings a really interesting perspective of not only what does this mean for me, but what does it mean for those around me as well? Dang, you guys are just crushing it right yeah. now. This is beautiful. I got nothing more to add. You guys are just headed on ahead. Wow. Yeah, I, I, in like, in the moments I was just talking a couple of minutes ago, yeah, I was, oh, I'm like more focused. So even not even taking into consideration, yeah, he is the, he's the father of a family. And you have to imagine like you, you feel as the father, like you feel responsibility. Yeah, man. 
but the answer to that was not the answer to that was not paralysis, which I think is interesting. It's, it was the continual attempt and the continual trust in the Lord. I mean, think about also you know like Saint Saint Joseph. I believe he is the is it the patron of workers as well. Mm-hmm. That I think you can even take about like you know how does this impact our lives? Think about like work. Um, like we have whether it's certain people or certain tasks entrusted to us, and you know we we have our goal like or like I think so like even like for me personally like with teaching like, we have that goal. Um, we think that like, all right, these are things that are entrusted to us. Um, and are we, are we over analyzing or are we paralyzed um, by all of our specific steps and like what might happen down the line to like the people that I interact with or yeah. Are, are you giving that sense of abandonment? And then it's, the, it's that continual conversion that it's not going to be like, Oh, I have the, I have the answer now. I think that's a temptation of like, I had this great revelation. I have this answer now. Everything's going to be perfect from here on out. But yeah, the, the continual, of yeah moving attempting abandoning the lord and yeah it's for for a word it's gritty it, it is and gritty stuff and even what you just said about joseph's work just yeah he's the the patron of workers but his work's almost kind of used against him in a way that emphasizes his humility even more um you know he's a carpenter and obviously that probably has more significance to me and my family with my dad being also in the construction area but um, I remember this scene, I can't remember where it is, but when Jesus is preaching and I don't know who it is that says it, but they say, isn't this the carpenter's son? Like, who is this guy think he is? He's, he's a carpenter's son. And I think oftentimes we look at, you know, our own worthiness and we think God's going to choose the smartest, most intelligent, like top of like society to be his instruments. But then we look just no further than Joseph to see, he chooses a lowly carpenter to be the protector and foster father of his son and of the blessed Virgin Mary. And even that I think is just imagining being Joseph, being proud of your work, being proud of the life that you've made, being proud of what you've done for your son, and then having your own work and your own name used to humiliate and persecute your son. I mean, I, as a father, I imagine that would be a pierce to the heart. Um, so just even again, I think his work just emphasizes the humility and God's just like love for all of creation. I think sometimes when we look at like the worthiness, we're always just like, oh, why would he ever do anything with me? Why would he be worried about me? Uh, why would I be chosen to do anything? Like there's definitely better candidates out there. Again, look no further than Joseph with his material life of he's not a wealthy man. He's not a rich man. He's not the smartest man in society. Like, you know. He's not this great philosopher or anything like that. He's a simple carpenter and a good man. And God was able to work with that and make him into the St. Joseph we know now. You know, all this, all this seems to just keep driving back at the point that it is the humility of Joseph that stands out the most, right? Because all of that is just what you just said, Mike, is, is the pride that we have that says God couldn't possibly communicate in this way. God couldn't possibly work in this way because I know how he should. Like, how dare we try to give advice to God? My spiritual writer always tells me that. He's like, what the hell do you think you're doing giving advice to God? He doesn't take advice from you. I'm like, no, okay, well, I can try. (laughs) Um, But like Old Testament even, God communicates through a freaking donkey. Like there's a donkey that talks to this guy. It's uh, the prophet 
uh, Balaam, Balaam, mispronouncing it, but like, I'm not familiar a, with this. <laughs> there's a donkey on the like, he's riding a donkey, and the donkey like talks to him basically. Um, and it's like, we just think, like, no, there's no way God wouldn't what would never do that. It's like, how do you know? And so it's just this, uh, this shutdown disposition we have, like, here are the parameters that I've made. God will only work within those. It's like, no, he won't. He will actually do whatever he wants and whatever he wills to be good. And so Joseph points us to the necessity of being humble and then being attentive. Like you guys have said multiple times, like it, it has to be oriented to the other. I think Mike, that was your point. Like we have to be oriented towards like, you know, your family, your, your children, your friends, whatever those in your life you've been entrusted with you have to be attentive to those things instead of just yourself. And that's where the paralysis comes in because we're just thinking about ourselves and whether or not I take the next step. It's like, if you think about the other people, most importantly, think about God and how am I being of use to him and how am I serving him? It opens you up to like, I can actually move because I'm not the one in charge. I'm not the one in control anymore. And so I can just trust like, okay, he's got the plan. Um, I'm going to do it. It's like being a, you imagine like an ant on a tapestry the tapestry you're like watching it being sewn it's like the ant's probably thinking why are you making that stitch there that looks horrible it's like well you from his perspective of course it looks horrible but from the person who's standing above and looking down upon the whole thing it's like no this makes perfect sense so shut up like you have no idea but like, we are just so prideful it's like no 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 i'm on the ground i know what it's like it's like okay but you can't see and i can says god so listen we're all ants we're all ants <laughs> that's right a bunch of ants yeah. Oh man, I could talk about I could talk about Saint Joseph forever. <laughs> Just a four hour podcast. Yeah. No big deal. Nice. Like, that was well, good. That was a good topic. Good stuff. Good. Yeah. Good work, David. I like that one. Oh, hey, thanks. I I just can't, I was just like, yeah, you know, let's let's talk about it. And honestly, didn't have didn't have much of a plan with that. I just really wanted to talk about this with you all. And like I said, a, a little bit selfishly, because this always kind of gets me really fired up too. <laughs> um. Yeah. And yeah, it's the year of St. Joseph. So, you know, what? why not? Why not? Yeah. Good. I like it. Nice. Well, again, I guess really before we close, it is the year of St. Joseph, like David said. So make sure to take a, take advantage of that plenary indulgence. Um, I'm not really <laughs> sure exactly which all, all the different options you have. So look it up. But okay. it, you got a full year of it. So take advantage of it while you got the time. Um, but thank you for listening to us as always. Uh, you know, we will continue to pray for you. Please pray for us. If you have questions or comments, uh, reach out at thecatchcc at gmail.com. And real quick before we go, as always, we got a couple words from our friends over at Bishop Sheen Rosaries. If you're looking for a rosary for this Lent, uh, one that's going to be durable, won't break, and last you a long time, make sure to go check out them using the link in the description and use the code CATCH10 for a 10% discount off a rosary. And lastly, another thing kind of centered towards Lent, if you are trying to, you know, give up or detach yourself from the addiction to pornography, make sure to go check out our friends over at Covenant Eyes using the link in the description below and use the code CATCH30 for a 30-day free trial. They have this, a bunch of really great resources that can help kind of uh, help you grow uh, in independence and grow away from that addiction. But yeah, that is all we have. So until next time, we will see you all later. Toodaloo. See ya.